How's it going, warehouse? Good deal, man. Hey, um, hey, let's let's praise God for for the worship team. All right, let's let's give him praise for them. I I have the opportunity to preach in a lot of churches, and uh, especially over the past year, um, as me, uh, my family and I are raising support for full-time ministry in, in there in Knott County and Cape Nathaniel, and I'll talk about more of that here in just a second, but uh, I, I appreciate the, the depth and the, and the richness of the truth that we've sang this morning. Uh, it's, it's been good, and God is good. So thank you guys for the song selections. Thank you for um, leading us to the throne as we prepare to worship. Here in just in just a few minutes, I'm going to take up reading in John. Uh, excuse me, in Romans chapter five. So if you got your Bibles or if you got the Bible app pulled up, uh, Romans chapter five and verse eight. Going to look at one particular verse of scripture this morning, and then we're going to kind of jump around to some other parts as we go through our outline together. But but we're, but everything is going to be based ultimately off of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen Bell. I am the Associate Pastor of Worship and Families at Hindman First Baptist Church, Stone's Throw Away from here, down Highway 80, headed west. And we, uh, my family and I, my family is not with me this morning. Um, my kids getting through two services would be a little bit of a, a stretch for them. Um, I have uh, my wife, Ashley, and I have been married for 16 years. We have six children, um, five uh, that, well, three biological two adopted, one foster at the moment, and we're, we're hoping and praying that we'll be able to adopt him as well. Um, I won't go into too much detail. I, I know we're being streamed here, so I can't provide a lot of information, but if you've got any questions, I'll be happy to talk to you afterwards. But be, be praying for, for us. December the 21st is a huge date for us. There's a court date um, for his particular case, and uh, if it goes one way, he could be leaving our home. If it goes another way, uh, they could be opening the doors wide for adoption and, um, and, and we're, we're teaching our kids right now how to pray in accordance with God's will. And that's, that's a hard thing a lot of times because we know what we want God's will to be. Uh, but at the same time, we trust that God knows more than us and that God's good. So, so this is an awesome opportunity that we get to teach our kids. But it's also a gut-wrenching moment um, as we await God's will in regards to this. So we're praying that... He becomes part of our family entirely. We've had him since he was nine days old, and he just turned, uh, he will turn a year next month, and he's 30 pounds. <laughs> he's, our, he's our little linebacker in our family. <laughs> um, he's, a, oh, he's, he's fantastic. Brings so much joy to our home. So pl please be in prayer for our family for that. Uh, we are coming on board as full-time missionaries to a place called Camp Nathaniel in Knott County, Kentucky. And Warehouse Church was the first church that we visited when we started this whole process of raising support for uh, the ministry that God had called us to. And so uh, I, we're talking way back when you guys were known as Rich Point, you know, way back then. Uh, we came here last uh, this past March and we got to share with you guys. And as a result of that, um, man, we got to know a lot of you guys through that. Many of you jumped on board as part of our monthly support team. And, and please, on behalf of, of my family, please let, let me just let you know how much we appreciate your continued support, regardless of what it is that you give, because God is doing amazing things through it. We've already been able to bless families uh, financially and help pay off their adoption fees 
because of what you're giving. Uh, we take 15% of everything that's given and we give it to Christian families who are in the process of adop adopting to help pay off their legal fees. So please know that your, your giving is going directly to help put the lonely in families, all right? And, and we, we especially appreciate Warehouse Church because you guys were actually the first church that came on board as a partner church monthly uh, to support this ministry as well. So uh, please know how much we appreciate you guys and how much we're praying for you here. We want to stay in contact with as many of you as we possibly can. And, and, I, and I want to keep coming back and updating you on what God's doing, okay? So, uh, so if, after we're done... If, if you like the sermon, put a bug in somebody's ear. Hey, ask him to come back sometime, all right? And, uh, and this morning, I'm just going to let you guys know, man, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. I, I didn't break this to the 930 service, all right? But I, I'm going to be a little bit more transparent with you guys. This morning, I woke up at 820. At 820, okay? In my bed at 820. Everybody understand what we're talking about here, all right? I thought to myself, I wonder if they have two services. Because <laughs> I never thought to have that conversation. So I, I texted a couple of people and, and they said, yeah, service starts at 9.30. I'm in the shower. <laughs> and uh, so got, got the shower, got out, got here. I was here by 9.05, man. 9.05. And uh, I didn't speed because I know this is on the internet right now. So nobody hunt me down after this, all right? So it's all good, man. God's got us here. We are, we're excited. And this morning, uh, I get to talk about the love of God. Hey, if you got any questions about our ministry, I've got these cards with us. Um, they look like those really fancy ones that have magnets on the back. They do not, all right? Because that would have cost more money. But you know what we figured? Everybody's got a magnet. All right, everybody understands? Good. Make sure before you leave, if you would like one of these cards, just to, re just to remind you to be praying for, uh, for our family and our ministry. Uh, man, I would love to put one of these in your hands, as many as I have. So uh, before you leave, come up. Let me know if you've got any questions. I'd be happy to answer those. If you've got any questions about adoption and foster care, I'd love to have those conversations too, all right? Uh, but my wife, Ashley, and my kids couldn't be here this morning, but they want me to tell you how thankful they are to this church and everything that you guys do um, for the kingdom. So thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And we're going to get there here in just a second. Let's go ahead and read our verse together. It says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm going to be referencing this. I'm going to be coming back to it here in just a little bit. But if you've ever asked the question, and, and many of us probably have, if you've ever asked the question, does God really love me? All right? You may have asked that question already. You may be currently asking that question now as you came in here this morning. You may be asking that question tomorrow. I do not know. But for all of us in this room who have asked the question, and if you haven't asked it, you probably will at some point in your life. Let's really hone in and, and, and find out what God is saying to us this morning. I, I, you see, I can remember these specific times in my life where I asked the question, does God really love me? Remind me, God I just need to hear you say it. So let's be reminded of God's love for us this morning. I'm not going to be going very deep this morning as we look at arguably what is probably the deepest truth in all of Scripture. In fact, the, uh, the famous theologian by the name of Karl Barth 
was once asked, of all the things that you've ever studied in regards to the depths of who God is, what is the one thing that has blown your mind more than anything else you've ever known about God? And you know what he said? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. If there's anything that blows my mind more, it's that. The fact that Jesus loves me. So I want you to listen this morning. As God tells us through his word, I love you. And I want us to rest in this. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father, you're good to us and we thank you for your word. We just pray that you would be with us now in these few minutes that we have together. God, that you would reveal to us the truth of your word and that we in response would walk in obedience to it. God, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth comes directly from the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Let it be nothing in and of myself. Be glorified, I pray. Forgive me for every way that I fail you. Give us ears to hear this morning. Give us eyes to see so that we might behold wonderful things from your word. It's in his, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to share with you very, very quickly this morning four things that, four things that God's love cannot be, okay? God's love can be a lot of things, all right? But four things that it cannot be. B is what I want us to get at this morning. And number one is this. God's love cannot be denied. All right? God's love cannot be denied. Now, of course, I know anyone can say that God doesn't love them. But whether you say something is true or not does not change the fact that it is ultimately true. All right? I think we can, we can all agree to that. Whether you say you believe in something or not does not change the fact that it exists. Atheists say that there is no God. It does not change the fact that there is one. In fact, the Bible has a word for atheist, and it's called fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So whether you believe in something or not, it does not change the fact that it's true. Try to go out here in the middle of Highway 80 and stand there and keep saying to yourself over and over again, I don't believe in semi-trucks. You do that. And you're going to find out really, really soon that whether you say that or not does not change the fact that they do indeed exist. And you've got a decision to make. You either get out of the way or it's not going to end well. In the same way, God's love for you cannot be denied. Because God, whether we say he does, whether we say he doesn't, does not change the fact that he does. Because God, by nature, it is who he is by nature, he is Love. Now, there's, a th there's something here that we really have to, to, to remind ourselves of because the world, the culture, the society that we live in is so quick to get on this train that says, yes, God is love. God is love. God is loving, and he would never, he would never tell anyone they're wrong. He would never tell anyone that, they don't ex that he doesn't accept them, and he would never send anyone to hell. Guess what? That's not biblical. God very much will send people to hell, and he does. I want you to hear that because a lot of people aren't embracing that truth anymore. Amen. A lot of people are not. Amen. God does not and will not tolerate sin. Am I clear enough? Amen. He does not and will not tolerate sin. 
How does God feel about our sin? This is how tolerant God is of sin. He sent Jesus to die for it. If we don't understand our sin, we will never understand God's love for us. Because the Bible says that God is love. That is true. That is who he is by nature. He is light. He is spirit. He is love. This is what, God, this is what God's word tells us. This is who God is. But all of that, all of that comes under the umbrella of one huge adjective in describing God. And that's what the angels are saying as they constantly, even right now at this moment, are flying around the throne of God. And you know what they're not saying? Love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. What are they saying, church? They're saying holy. They're saying holy. So you know what that means? Yes, God is love, but he is a holy God, and that love is a holy love. And holiness means without sin, for it can have nothing to do with sin. It must expel sin. It must judge sin, and that is who God is and what he does in his holiness. It is what makes him good. And so let's understand something. If we want to say that God is love, then let's understand first and foremost that he is a holy God with holy love. Because if we don't understand God's holiness and at the same time do not understand our own unholiness, then Jesus dying on the cross makes no sense at all. It makes no sense if we don't know why he died. And the, and the reason he died is this. While we were still sinners, Christ died us. He died to demonstrate the love of God in that while we were in rebellion against him, he died for us. It cannot be denied because it is who he is by nature. It really comes down, guys, to this. It really comes down to the Bible. If you believe this is true, if you believe this is the word of God, then we are at that point forced to know and believe that God loves you. You don't have to like it, but the Bible tells us it's true. The ultimate reality, hear me out here, the ultimate reality, if you think to yourself, God doesn't love me, the ultimate reality is not that he is guilty of not loving you, but rather that you are guilty of not trusting him when he says he does. That's the ultimate reality. Not that God is guilty for not loving us, but that we are guilty for not trusting him when he says he loves us. God's love cannot be denied. Secondly, and I love this one, God's love cannot be measured. Okay, God, okay, Stephen, how about this? I, I know now that God, I know that God loves me, but now the question is, God, how much? How much do you love me, God? Do you guys realize when, when we're in love, we say really stupid things. We do. We, we say, I love you so much, I would, I would swim the highest mountain and climb the deepest sea. I know what I said. I'm just making sure you're with me, all right? Some of you are in full agreement. You have no idea what I just said. We, we, un, we, we say stupid things. We'll say things, okay, let's put it, let's, let's correct it. I will climb the highest mountain for you. I will swim the deepest sea for you. No, you won't. You'll die doing something completely irrelevant. That's what you'll do. See, because here's, here's the thing, man. Love is not measured by climbing mountains. 
Love is not measured by swimming seas. Love is measured by service. Love is measured by meeting needs. That's what love is measured by. And look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. He says this. Let's bring it, up, bring it up here, guys. Is that the next one in line or did I skip ahead? Mark chapter 10, verse, four, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served through the sacrifice of his own life and meeting our need of redemption from the power of sin. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't climb the highest mountain. He climbed Calvary. He didn't swim the deepest sea. He walked on it. And he pulled us up from drowning. Love is measured by service. Love is measured by meeting needs. And, and, and God has met our ultimate need through Jesus in redemption from our sinfulness. The most quoted verse in all of Scripture John 3.16 tells us exactly how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, this is one of those things where a lot of us could say this and not even think about it. We can say this and it not do anything to us at all. You know why? Because a lot of us have been coming to church maybe from the womb and we've heard Jesus loves you so much that we've grown callous to it. And it doesn't grip us the way that it should. When we hear that God loves us, we should stop and think about how a holy God loves unholy people. It should cause us to go back to the gospel. It should cause us to come before the foot of the cross where we see his love put perfectly on display. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In this verse, there's one word that is often overlooked that tells us exactly how much God loves us. And, and to show you that word, I'm going to read a quote by Charles Spurgeon. He's a dead guy that you should know about, all right? God has such love in his nature that he must let it flow forth to a world perishing by its own willful sin. And when it flowed forth, it was so deep, so wide, so strong that even inspiration could not compute its measure. And therefore, the Holy Spirit gave us that great little word, so. And left us to attempt the measurement according as we perceive more and more of love divine. You know what John 3.16 is saying? It's God saying, I love you so much. So much. That I would send my son to live the life you could not live. To, to die the death you should have died. And raise him again so that you can be saved from your sin, redeemed from the power of sin, and be with me for all eternity. He loves us so much. The Apostle Paul writes in, in Ephesus, to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3, beginning of verse 16, and he says this right here. It says, 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The Psalms continually declare that the love and mercies of God are high or, or higher than the heavens themselves. In short, guys, in short, we cannot even begin to fathom just how much God loves us. That's it. We cannot even begin to fathom how much God loves us. However, he has demonstrated that to us perfectly at the cross of Jesus Christ. God's love cannot be denied. God's love cannot be measured. We're halfway there. Number three, God's love cannot be earned. This is huge. This is absolutely huge because if there is ever a point in what we're talking about today that we are confused about a lot of times, it's this one. God's love cannot be earned. Listen to what we have. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. God has brought his people through the leading of Moses. He's brought them out of Israel, out of slavery, and now he is giving them his law. And as he's giving them his law, he's reminding them of who he is and who they are because of who he is and what he's done for them. Listen closely. For you are a, holy, are a people holy to your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. That the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. We need to understand something this morning. And that is that God's love for us is not dependent on this idea that we're good. All right? Follow me here. God's love for us is not dependent upon this idea that we are good. It is dependent upon the truth that he is faithful. That's it. God loves you not because you're good. He loves you because he is faithful. Because we need to stop being the attention getters here. We need to stop being the, the center of attention as it relates to the love of God. And we need to throw this back up to him and stand in awe and adoration and worship because he is a God who loves us. We often, a lot of our worship songs today, unfortunately, have us at the center of attention in regards to the love of God, when in reality, worship is all about exaltation. It's about exalting God himself. 
And so if we're singing and we're the focus of our, wor- of our worship, we've got a big theological problem. A huge theological problem. And so God needs to be the center of everything that we sing, everything that we study, because the more you understand about who God is, then and only then will you understand what your life is supposed to look like. Then and only then will we understand how we are supposed to live if God is the center of our everything. We cannot earn the love of God. You do not have to be somebody for God to love you. You just have to rest in the fact that he does. As a Christian, listen to me, church. As a Christian, all you will ever be in the sight of God is his child. Nothing will change that. Absolutely nothing. So live at peace and rest in his love for you. Because what you do will not make you love will not make him love you more. And consequently, what you do not do will not make, you love, will not make him love you less. I, I may have mentioned this back in March when I was here because I was talking about family so much, but, but, but in regards to the context of our message here, it bears repeating if I did. You know, when my kids do something wrong, and that happens a lot. When my kids do something wrong, I want to set my kids down, and the first thing that I want to ask them is, who am I? Because I want them to acknowledge two things before I say anything about what it is they did. I want them to acknowledge, first and foremost, that I'm their dad. And that will never change. And then I want to ask them, how does daddy feel about you? And you know what they say in response? You love me. I want them to know that I'm their father. That will never change. I want them to know that I love them. And that will never change. Now we can deal with the issue. All right? Because I want my kids to know this. I want them to know that their daddy loves them, and I want that to fuel their obedience. I do not want for a single solitary second for my kids to think, if I'm good, daddy will love me. Because that's what religion does. Religion says, if you do this, and don't do this, and you stay with these people, and don't hang out with these people, and you say these things, and don't say these things, then God will love you. That, that's disgusting. Because that's like me looking at my kids say, baby, I tell you what, if you, if you do this and you don't do this and you say these things and you don't say these things and you hang out with these people and you don't hang out with these people, then I'll love you and I'll say I'm your dad. That's disgusting. The reality is I love them and I want them to know that I love them and because I love them, I want them to obey. I want my love for them to be what fuels their obedience. I do not want their obedience to fuel what they think is my love for them. We should obey God because he loves us. We should never once think that if I obey God, he'll love me then. Because God is who he is. He does not change. His love does not change. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's what he says. This is how we demonstrate our love for God, by walking obedience to him. Therefore, we agree with him. When God says this is sinful, we say that's sinful. When God says this is acceptable, we say that's acceptable, and we don't try to change that. We trust in what he says. Because he's the one that created life. He's the one who determines what life is for. And he is the one who gave his love to us, and we did nothing to earn it. What was there in me to attract the love of God? I'll answer that for you. The answer is nothing. 
There was nothing in me to attract the love of God. In fact, there was everything actively in me to repel that love in regards to my sin. But God demonstrated his love toward me in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Romans 5.8. See, God did not love us because we loved him. He loved us before we could ever think about doing that. That's why in 1 John 4.19, it reminds us that we love him or we love because he first loved us. God was the one that started this whole thing, man. He's the one that, he's the one that, that, that lays claim to all of this. It started with him. His love for me is entirely unaffected by anything in me. Therefore, his love cannot be earned. It can't be denied. It can't be measured. It can't be earned. Lastly, most arguably one of the most important, it can't be stopped. God's love for you cannot be stopped, church. He loves his bride. He loves his church. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I'm going to kind of break this down for us real quick. For I, that is Paul writing to the church at Rome, he's making this personal here, for I am sure, or other translations may use the word, I am convinced that there is no doubt in his mind that what he's getting ready to say, it, it, it is as it is. There is no doubt in my mind, for I am sure that neither death nor life, death can't stop this, anything in life can't stop this, nor angels, nor rulers, none of the powers in the spiritual realms where we can't see, none of them can stop it. Nor height, nor depth, nor power. Nothing, nothing can stop this. No, no governing authorities, no, no, no rulers, no, no kings, no presidents. Nothing can stop what I'm getting ready to tell you. Nor height, nor depth, and just in case he left anything out, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It can't be stopped. Nothing that you will ever do will stop it. Nothing that anyone else will ever do will stop it. COVID can't stop it. Listen, I don't care if you agree with, with who our president is or not. They can't stop it. And our last president couldn't stop it. None of the other 40-some couldn't stop it. And whoever our president is four years from now, if the Lord doesn't come back, they can't stop it either. He's convinced that nothing will be able to stop the love of God. But there's words at the bottom, at the end of that verse, there's five words at the end of that verse that we need to be reminded ourselves of. Can we go back one slide, guys? Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Last five words. In Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you will never be separated from the love of God. Never. If you're not a Christian, I plead with you today. First of all, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open up your heart to the truth. And then I plead that you would respond to that calling. Because the reality is this. It is in Christ Jesus our Lord that we are not separated from the love of God. That means for all eternity, we are going to spend an eternity as believers in the love of God, in his very presence, because he is love. 
And for those of us who are not believers, we, sometimes we think to ourselves, well, in hell we'll be separated from God. Nope. It's not how that works. That's not a biblical statement. Because in hell you're not separated from God. You're very much in the presence of his wrath and judgment for all eternity. He doesn't, it doesn't leave you, but you get, you get that aspect of him for all eternity. Of a holy God whom we have offended and are, in, are justly, justly deserving of eternal punishment because of our sinfulness against a holy God. But God demonstrated his love toward us. Romans 5, 8. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God for us. The worship team is going to come. We're going to move into a time of response this morning. We get the opportunity to respond to the word of God. And if you need to come to the altar and pray, by all means, do so. If you need to pray where you are, that's fine. Do so. But let's walk in obedience to a God who loves us this morning. Let's not, let's not come to this altar thinking that if I come to the altar, God will love me more. Let's rest in the fact that he loves us right where we're at. And because he loves us, we need to live in obedience to him. That means there may be things in our life that we need to change. There may, be, there may be things that we need to repent of, turn away from in order to follow him the way he desires us for us to follow him because he loves us. He is our dad that will never change. Let's be a people who live and walk and love in obedience to a God who loves us with a holy, perfect He is faithful, and he will be faithful. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that right now we get the opportunity to respond in obedience. And I don't know what that looks like for, for individuals in this room, but I know that it, it has to include repentance because our flesh does not want to obey you. I, I know it has to include being made more like Jesus because that's what you've called us to. So call your people. Sanctify your people whom you have justified by, the, by your grace through the blood of Christ. And have your way in this moment as we seek to glorify you with our lives because you love us. We give you glory. In Christ's name.